This is The Christian Artist. Honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. And I'm not Connor. What? Where's Connor? I have no idea. Where's Connor? (laughs) (laughs) Technically, I thought he was going to be at work, but he actually is not at work. But I asked him if he wanted to come, and he was like, no. Oh. But he's being lame is the answer <laughs> yes, to that. Yes, pretty much. I see, okay. Because he just got back from work, and he's probably tired, and he's also lame, yes. Fair enough, fair enough. But technically, he was like, you guys have, like, both the topics I pitched to him, I was like, we could talk about either of these things. He's like, eh, I don't really have much to say about either of these things, so you guys go and do it by yourself. He doesn't have much to so. say about Shadows of Self. No, he hasn't read it yet. Oh, I guess that's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we just kind of insinuated that we were going to do a review on shadows of self yeah that's not happening probably not gonna happen okay uh, we're gonna do a one second review of shadows of self by brandon sanderson right now it was awesome, awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep go read it people yeah i'll put it in the liner notes just because anyway should start charging brandon sanderson for all the all the free advertising so we're gonna be talking about books yet again today um that's mostly because i'm here and that's the only thing i know about so well you don't that's not the only thing you know about in like your entire life ever it reminds me i'm david um i just told you who i wasn't so I figured I should probably <laughs> yeah. introduce myself well, i mean i'm sure the people who listened to the last episode know but anyone who missed the last episode or the last couple of episodes depending on when i release this will probably know who you are so oh, but yes. anyway so yes today we're gonna be talking about books um, David and I are both in the middle of writing novels right now. I started mine during NaNoWriMo last year, uh, beat the 50,000 word mark kind of a thing, and uh, you know, basically won NaNoWriMo, which is pretty awesome because that's the first time I've ever seriously tried doing NaNoWriMo, so yay for that. <laughs> um, but then in the subsequent months, I stopped writing, <laughs> and it was very sad. Right now I'm at 60,000 words. So there you go. I wrote 50,000 words in one month. And 10,000 words in almost 11 months now. No, it is. Yes, almost 11 months. It'll be 11 months in at the beginning of November. It will be 12 months at the end of November. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. I'm doing horribly. (laughs) Actually being consistent. Anyway, David, tell us about yours. I uh, started mine. Well, the creation process of the world as usual started much longer before i uh oh yeah started writing as as always uh but i started writing mine also um at the beginning of nanoremo i only wrote about twenty thousand words because i'm slow and uh hey you still got twenty thousand words in november i think so somewhere that's between, pretty like, awesome. 15 to 20 i don't know it wasn't terrible a lot better than i usually do yeah i, I was basically using nanoremo to actually make me write something exactly for once and that's, of that's what building. it's there for it works oh um, for those of you who don't know what nanoremo is because oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I might have mentioned it before but uh just for clarification's sake uh nanoremo is national novel writing month which is uh the, in the month of november a bunch of people get together and write fifty thousand words um, in one month, and that doesn't mean you have to like finish it in fifty thousand words or anything. But write fifty thousand words of like a new novel um, in the month of November, and it's something that like people do all over the world, so it's pretty cool. Or you can do what I'm going to do and cheat and do when you already started. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do too because I, the I rules, to, but who cares? I need to finish my book. I'm not going to yeah. start a new book. Uh, anyway, yes. yeah, but we should probably go back even further than that and mm-hmm. start with the creation process of both right. of these. I think we mentioned them on the episode about cultural influences on stories because we're talking about like our influences for that story Mm -hmm. um i'm writing to look skyward i'm writing a book called to look skyward and you can actually find um several of those chapters of that novel on my website i'm posting it there right now um at 
calebmpowers.com. There you go. I'm advertising <laughs> myself now. Um, but, you know, that came about, um, as I as we said a couple episodes ago or last episode, um, it came from an idea of, like, a mountainous world that had a elevation-based magic where basically you can control people using puppets. And so that was the jumping-off point for that. And then the month of, the month of October last year... I spent a lot of time doing a lot of world building on that and digging into it really deeply. Um, it was Trevor's world originally, correct? Like he was the one who we I kind believe of so, gave yes. kind the of hijacked world his thing. Yes, we all we all signed a world, and uh, then you wrote both yours and his. Though I don't think he wrote. Anything I didn't write in, mine. Yeah, yeah. Though we did world build a lot of that. We did world build a lot of that, but, but actually, yes. I did write some of it. I, I was starting to write a short story That's for right. that. I remember, uh, that. and it didn't actually end up working out because the magic systems are so complicated, and I put in <laughs> all of them in oh. a short story, which yeah. is a horrible idea. Eventually, I got to the fight scene at the very end of the book, and I was like, "None of this makes any sense." They shoot I each other with guns. <laughs> the end. <laughs> well, the the main problem was they were in. This is a tangent, but I'm going to do it anyway. The main problem was they were in the. I basically made up like there's you know the gravitational wells or whatever right, right. those things like. They con if you're right, they're like in the they in caverns in the earth, and so you they constantly recharge mm-hmm. your magic, and so usually you'd run out of energy for this, right? But they they had unlimited energy, and so it was basically Very just nice. powers, 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 powers everywhere, and it was so confusing, and so I gave up. Yeah, yeah, we didn't really do ourselves do ourselves any favors with the uh, no we complexity. Really of that didn't. One. It was but so complex. It'll look really cool in a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't. They don't even know how they'd explain that in a movie. They wouldn't. They would just do it, and then you would yeah, see that's how it true. works. <laughs> people, things would just orbit people, and you'd get it. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. But yeah, so I, I'm writing that book right now, um, and we'll, we'll get into more of the, the basic plot of it um, in a second here. But go ahead, David. Yeah. What's the initial quick synopsis? Synop- yes. uh, quick we, synopsis of the initial concept yeah. for your um, my book is currently um, titled voice of desire which may change depending on how I feel when I finish it um, <laughs> but uh, mine was also the product of that little brainstorming session we had um, and also a product of Trevor actually our friend who we should really have on this because he's probably better at this uh, at this than we are in some cases but uh, in definitely in some cases yeah yeah um, but he had a dream which I guess technically he couldn't help having, but anyways. Like, uh, just like Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, yes, he had a dream, <laughs> except this one was about kids loading corpses into a cart. Which is zombie not children. like Martin Luther King not Jr. Not like, yes, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, great. Now we're straying yeah. into sacrilege. Oh, good, you know. Um, <laughs> anyways. Which we always tend to do on this podcast. But uh, that's not good. You wouldn't know that. But I, I wouldn't know that, yep. no. <laughs> but now uh, you do. There you go. I do now, yes. Anyway, go um, ahead. But yeah, so from there we basically just uh, took it in a bunch of different directions until it finally turned into what I have now, which is more or less uh, a world in which people have developed the technology to use parts of the human body as fuel, more or less, um, due to the kind of unique way that their bodies work. Um, And that means that instead of using black powder for firearms, they use fingers. Uh, and they propel uh, Which steel I always boats. thought was so cool. Yes. And then I decided that a hand grenade was basically just going to be a hand encased in metal and decided that I was a genius. And, um, yes, pun master there. Yes. Hand grenade. Precisely. It's basically awesome. Uh, yes. Um, I live for puns, obviously. That is my thing. But uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and you got that from me. I did. I did And get that that's from you. what I love. 
about my life is <laughs> I can get people to like puns. Oh, yeah. I even made Anna like puns. I used to hate puns. Uh-huh. And now I love them. So did Anna. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. It is pretty great. Anyways, yeah, so um, the actual plot to mine is basically the main character arrives at his home, uh, well, civilization, I guess, and finds out that it's basically been conquered. And then he goes and tries to save as many people um, from the more or less concentration camps that the enemies have set up and uh, tries to retake his country. Um, and it ends up going uh, in a pretty strange direction from what he's expecting. Um, but obviously that's spoilers. And I also haven't yes. written it yet, so I can't really be sure how it's actually going down. Yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, I, I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. The, the the basic plot of mine, I guess I, I didn't really mention that, but sure. um, the basic plot of mine is basically... I said basic variations like four times in that sentence. That's right. <laughs> anyway, um, we have our main character Kirlan, who is a um, a, no- a noble, at, you know, in the top of the city, um, in the upper city. Um, and we have Danis, who is a. I, I really shouldn't be saying names. I'm gonna just back up because it's just gonna confuse people. Uh, my main character is a nobility. My main character is a noble in the upper city of this uh, city I named Argusan, and uh, then we have another character in the lower city, and she's like a revolutionary, basically trying. She's she's dreaming of conquering um, the upper city and like getting um, uh, getting her people out of slavery. The lowborn uh, who basically live like in virtual slavery with the magic because they can be controlled at any time through this puppet magic, um, and. Uh, our main character is actually trying to basically do the same thing through um, legislature and stuff like that. And that's just not working because none of the nobility care. Um, and so basically it's like this this thing where um, our main character ends up going down to the lower city and trying to like start a revolt there while our second character, who is a revolutionary, goes into the upper city to try to start a revolution there. And they end up clashing and cool things happen i have it all <laughs> plotted out um but basically yeah they 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 end up doing trying to do the same thing and end up both failing and then have to like you know basically work together to, right. to actually do it and then we have this other character who gets embroiled in it all and she's more part of this other subplot of like the magic um and what it all means um and like nature in the area has been like trying to kill everyone all of a sudden like all the animals gotten super aggressive and there's this this whole big like metaphysical thing going on at the same time this revolution is happening and uh so she's the our our third character is a big part of that subplot and then she gets involved in the revolution and stuff like that um and it gets kind of complicated but (laughs) that's the basic gist of it that subplot is the hint at the general uh connecting universe between our worlds, correct? Uh, no. I believe. Isn't the kind exploration of. of how the magic works, or rather, I guess, um, the implications of the magic, doesn't that kind of point to the It points to the bigger the world. No, it, it points to the bigger world of, like, there's different links and stuff mm-hmm. like that, rather than just right. this domination I meant specifically thing. at the top of the city, I believe, unless that's changed. Well, no, no, that, that but that third... I guess she is the, at the end of that plot, but, I mean, all three of them are are 
vital at the end I of see. that whole that thing. So it wasn't just her specifically, but True. I, I guess I don't know exactly how it's going to play out yet. I right. have these basic like seven points that are going to have to mm-hmm. have to be accomplished, right. but I I know that by the end things will have changed and so okay. I'll have to right. shift around. I'm not going to plan for <laughs> specific people doing specific things cuz yeah. I'm going to see where they are in the end. Um, and see where their arcs go, because I don't really know at this point. Of course. Um, I just know where the basic plot is going to go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she, it, it's the, the girl, mm-hmm. Alendia, in the third right. plot. Um, and she's, has, she has a horrible family life, and <laughs> ends up getting, but yeah, I mean, that's basically all I'm going to say about her, because her plot gets complicated as well. So if book. you can't tell, we're both writing, writing epic fantasies. <laughs> Though I guess yours is more heroic fantasy, shorter, because yes. it's less about, like, world changing things and more about this like one kingdom or whatever but right yeah it only it all takes place on one very introverted continent mm-hmm. uh though my other general project that i'm world building is very much very much epic fantasy scale. yeah but uh yeah and also as a just kind of a side note which you may have derived from that conversation um most of our stories if not all of them take place in a uh, shared universe which yes i don't know if you've covered in previous i podcasts. have not uh, I would definitely like to touch upon that yeah. in this podcast. So basically, a few years ago now, it all started with Rules of Creation. Was it? That, that was that was the initial thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and basically how that started off was uh, Connor, I, and Trevor. Um, Connor, Trevor, and I, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we are on a artist's podcast. Yes, you have to be grammatically correct here. <laughs> um, we were just kind of like hanging out one day and we decided to make up an idea for a random world because that's the kind of thing we did back in the day. Um, still do. Um, and we were like, hey, what if there was some kind of like liquid or material or whatever that could like be used to create things? And like if you hit it against the ground hard enough, it would like some alien species would come out of it, you know, kind of a thing. And that was the initial concept. And it ended up going to this huge thing where like it, I, it's, it would take so long <laughs> to explain all the, all the yeah. rabbit holes we went down to get to the point where we are right now. But basically that was the beginning of an idea of a shared universe. Oh, I guess it came from the fact that this material or mm-hmm. whatever, that's called King's blood was the blood of God. Basically mm-hmm. was the, was the concept. And so we were sort of thinking about, well, wait a second, if God came and like made this, basically it was it was the fact that he had to stop making the world and that's why the king's blood right. stayed there it was because the king's blood was like used to create things and usually when this god or whatever created a world he would like use all of it mm-hmm. but he left some of it there and and so that begged the bigger question of okay what happened with the other worlds and why did he stop making worlds um and it, it ended up being this huge thing where we were like oh okay there's a creator and a destroyer mm-hmm. and all this stuff like mega plot kind of stuff that yeah. happened and then we got to the point where, you know, David uh, came in and he started making some stuff up in that rules of creation thing. And then we started talking really in depth about that mega plot um, mm-hmm. that we had for for our idea. And it, it became what is now known as the 374th cycle, which is um, it's, it's called the 374th cycle because there have been 373 cycles of this universe beforehand. And this is the 374th. And basically it's like a repeated universe that continually gets like this, this one God type being is creating all these worlds and then it resets itself. And it's just, just this cosmic battle between this creator being and this destroyer being mm-hmm. who we have basically named um we, we usually call them perfection and chaos um and perfection's job is to make everything as perfect and orderly as possible chaos's job is to destroy it all and 
yeah that basically all four of us made this idea up and we were like okay this is a shared universe like we uh, our initial th- i don't know if we made this up we probably made this up after we found out about the cosmere I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate sure <laughs> And that's Brandon that. Sanderson's shared shared universe in his books. But our idea was okay. Well, we know Brandon Sanderson is, has a shared universe with all of his books, and we know, and like Stephen King does that and stuff like that. Oh, Other yeah. authors do that. But we were like, okay, let's take it one step further and say four authors all in this <laughs> shared universe, yeah. and we're all going to write books, and they're all going to connect. I have all very loose rules to write around, and then exactly um, all placed in the same universe. Mm-hmm. So all the magic systems will function by the same basic rules, and you know that kind of stuff and and uh, the worlds will be created in this specific fashion and we have reasonings behind everything in this epic fantasy universe which sometimes dips its toes into science fiction as well right um because it's over a long span of history with lots of years and technology and all that stuff Mm -hmm. but basically that's what david and i are both doing right now is writing books set in that universe um mine is on the world uh illand and it's technically a moon of a gas giant but i don't ever really get into that in the book if you're paying attention you'll know what ha- what's happening <laughs> because there's this gigantic moon in the sky that they call um Annaland, which is basically not the earth is what it, that's what it means in the language <laughs> um but it's it's the gas giant that it's orbiting orbiting around they just call it like the big moon or the great moon or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it's super cool to be like oh this is all in the same universe and then we, we basically you know have little tidbits that are like connecting stuff and, and of course the the most interesting part will be uh the uh kind of interplanetary um organization oh, yeah. yeah yeah well because the then we can take characters from our actual stories right. assuming they're long lived enough and mm-hmm. uh have them interact and do things yeah, on this yeah. larger plot and that'll be that'll be fun yeah it's called it's called the rift walkers and they're basically like they they use this rift in the whole universe to like yeah, travel instantaneously it, into places. It, it's, it's like this organization that connects all the universes and stuff, or not the universes, the worlds. But anyway, we've talked about that enough. Um, <laughs> that was actually our original. No, topic, so. no, it wasn't. But I mean, I guess it's it's really pertinent. Yeah, pertinent. That's the right word. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that's what David and I are doing right now. Um, <laughs> I guess let's talk real quick about how the writing has gone so far for us and okay. like how it's – go ahead and I've been talking for a long time. Yeah, no, so. that's right. Um, well, like I said, I started off with about 20,000 words from Manoramo. Um, I generally write while I'm at work since I sit in a guard shack and do very little all day. Um, the problem is I'm not allowed to have my laptop, which I actually don't have a laptop, so it's not really a problem. But uh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to bring any kind of uh, laptop in, but uh, I do have a tablet, which needless to say – is a lot slower than a computer. So progress has been relatively slow. I'm at about 37,000 words right now um, in total. And I'm sh- I'm imagining it's probably going to be around fifty to 60,000 words. It's going to be a shorter mm-hmm. book, uh, just qualifying as a novel probably. Yeah. Um, and that was intentional. It was originally my my uh, plan for NaNoWriMo, which is a 50,000-word uh-huh. uh, goal. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I've kind of had periods where I – just don't write for a long time, and then I, I hate myself and I go back and start writing it some, and because uh, I feel bad that I haven't. I written totally any. understand that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, that's that's been on and off, but uh, I'm hoping with um, uh, breaks in school and that kind of thing to yeah. really and uh, start going back and and um, working on it more. And mm-hmm. I know Caleb and I have uh, we'll talk about this at the end, but we're going to try and make ourselves write more 
or make each other rather write more. Yeah. So do some uh, self, uh, some motivation. Yes. <laughs> writing group type stuff. But we'll get into exactly. that at, at, towards the end. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, not too bad. I'm a little bit more than halfway or so, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm more or less know where I'm going with it. Uh, I'm gonna have to do a really long second overlook before I do yeah. anything else. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, didn't do myself any favors. I'd, I remember one part character walks up to a castle and I didn't really feel like describing the castle so I wrote asterisk describe castle asterisk <laughs> and moved on and then I was like I'm gonna hate myself for that when I go back but I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do right now uh, so yeah didn't do myself any favors but uh-huh. we'll see um yeah so I started at NaNoWriMo as well and uh wrote 50,000 words on beat it beat the goal and um I, I wrote like five six thousand words on the last day it was insane <laughs> Like I just spent all of Sunday of that Sunday mm-hmm. writing. It was absolutely crazy, um, but I made the mistake of not writing the day after Nanorimo, uh-huh. and that was a long descent into madness at yep. that point because I tried the next day and it just didn't. I didn't feel like it. I'm like, well, I've written a bunch of words. I'm just gonna let it sit for a little while. Word, don't do that. <laughs> if, if I if I I should have taken this out of NaNoWriMo, and that's right every day. Oh, yeah. Um, even a little bit. Like, if you're just consistent about whatever, whatever free time you have, just committing yourself to writing something. Um, not, like, emails or whatever, but you're, you're, you're not <laughs> Related, yes. <laughs> um, that will help tremendously, and you'll eventually get into a groove of doing that. And eventually, before you know it, those that thousand words a day that you didn't think was too much will eventually become a hundred thousand words and there you go you got a novel um but yeah right now i'm at about sixty thousand words and i am not even past the first bullet point out of seven (laughs) so um as i'm looking at it right now i'm this is going to be a long book um i'm guessing it's going to be somewhere around the two hundred fifty thousand word range um, but that's an epic fantasy for you. Yeah, so, yeah. um, my, my biggest problem has been starting books and not finishing them. And I, oh, I a yeah. lot of people, my biggest problem is that. world building and never starting. <laughs> that's where all the disease for you. Yeah. Yes. I also have that. Um, I've had a lot more luck with short stories. Oh, I'm um, sure. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I can whip through those pretty yeah. fast and, and, know what actually, you're doing. You could and then I feel like I'm accomplished with right. it. The, the only actual things I've ever actually completed, um, is like the Elendia short story, mm-hmm. the annoyance in the air short story. Um, and the clock strikes death novella, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I love that. That's the longest thing that I've ever actually good. finished. Thank you. Um, and then I remember once trying to remember if that was something you wrote or if it was a novella Brandon Sanderson wrote. So oh well, be, be complimented. Well, accom- <laughs> accomplishment right there. Achievement yes. unlocked. Be mistaken for Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. Um, or have your writing mistaken for Brandon Sanderson? I guess. Yes, that's supposed. <laughs> you wouldn't look at me and be like, "That's Brandon Sanderson," because we look nothing alike. True. Um, but then, like, I just wrote. Um, I just finished another short story, which is called Abraham Lincoln is Dead-ish. And it was actually for a short story contest that my school was having. Um, Hmm. The library was like, hey, write a ghost story. And and, like the only two requirements were, or I guess three requirements. It was, it has to be between 1,000 and 2,500 words long. I ended up going to 2,900 words because I couldn't, like I couldn't wrap up the story like well without (laughs) just going a little bit over. Um, 
but and then the others were you has to be there has to be a ghost in it and it has to be in the library like part of the has to take place in the library you hmm. rock and so i ended up writing a story about the ghost of abraham lincoln who comes back to get, get help like solving his unfinished business from a college student very nice so that's the premise there and i like it <laughs> that sounds pretty and my, fun. my dad read it the other day and he said he liked it too so yay <laughs> hopefully i win the 25 five dollar gift card that oh, you nice. get for hmm. this contest that'd be cool that's like a dollar or rather a dollar for a hundred words? Is that what it is? That'd be a, about, it would be a little bit less than that because I went over 2,500 words. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, technically. About a dollar for a hundred yeah. words. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a professional, for for a professional paying market, no. As a living, that probably wouldn't be the greatest. <laughs> no. um, but yes. Anyway, that's also off topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but basically, I have been writing um, not as much as I should have been, but um, this semester, like, I was planning on this this summer for, mm-hmm. like, being a super writing thing, but it just did not happen that way. And part of it was that um, I start I tried to focus on too many things. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast, and I'm going to do a blog post every day, and I'm going to, you know, all this stuff I was p- packing into my schedule. Our 12 RPGs didn't and, help, I don't think. And all the RPGs we were trying to do. Um, and it just didn't happen because yeah. I wanted to have a social life and to get <laughs> sleep, and I right. had a job. So... Life, man. So I ended up like not even writing like three thousand words that summer. Like <laughs> that, it was, I wrote like twenty five hundred. But that yeah, that was horrible. Could've got a twenty five dollar gift card. For that. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't because oh, well. it wasn't a short story. I couldn't really <laughs> submit half, like a sixth of a novel. It's all good. Yeah. But I am doing better now with school starting up again um which is funny because like you'd think i have less the time now you are. but it's getting me back into a routine of being productive and mm-hmm. that's that's what the important thing is like in, in the summer i was like my big problem was i didn't start writing right away um at the beginning of the summer like when i got off of school because i was like well ah, i was been, i've been so busy and i'm just gonna let myself chillax for a couple weeks and then i'll start but the problem was i, I was in a routine of pr- productivity first because of college and if i would have just kept with that <laughs> yeah then i would have been fine so that's why i'm trying to do that as po- as much as possible now during school and then nanorimo i'm gonna really hit that hard and then not let the momentum stop there and just keep going after nanorimo i'm not focused on beating nanorimo and getting fifty thousand words in i'm focused on making sure i am writing consistently every day at least some largest chunk um even if that doesn't end up being fifty thousand words so that's where I'm at right now. So as far as where we are in the stories, we're going to go over that a little bit, just on the spot we're at now, what, what we might be stuck on. Uh, in my book, the main character has just met up with a character that is um, someone he used to know uh, a few years ago that you meet in a flashback. And uh, they've just assembled a bunch of their shattered forces uh, together to attack a convoy of corpse crates, they're called. Those are basically crates that people uh, bodies are preserved in so that the um, flesh can be used for uh, fuel. Uh, yes, it is a little bit morbid. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of the goal. It was. It's basically uh, grim, dark, heroic fantasy, epic fantasy. Very much. Stuff. Yes. Um, also, the individuals' bodies are able to graft new limbs. Uh, Oh, right. And so that is another thing they use them for. You pay a lot of money, you can get a really nice ripped arm attached to you. And <laughs> If you uh, lost your arm. Yes, yeah, so if you happen to be armless, that is a useful yeah. ability. Um, and a lot of times that's the magic users who burn yes. off their arms in desperate yes. situations. That is so. that is often the case. 
Um, and so they are just now preparing to attack a convoy, um, which they are unaware knows that they are doing so, and is actually ambushing them. Um, I think I believe it's the second time that I've had the main characters try and ambush somebody and be ambushed. I think I've got a problem. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you should make that uh, a, like a running gag. Like, yes, yeah. Be, have some, one of the characters mention. What? This happened again? Yes. Okay, no more ambushing people. <laughs> well, actually, the first time it was both main characters trying to ambush each other without realizing that uh, they who they were. They were both in disguise and both okay. trying to kill each other. Well, that, that's a little bit it's different. It's a little bit different. Yeah. But, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> I think i got to come up with some new ideas. But, anyways, uh, and so they're all... That's what I'm here for. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so they're all going to do that, and they'll get uh, wrecked horribly, and then um, try and salvage... Uh, anything really from that and then they'll go on to the final epic battle over at the the country's capital where the main characters fight the main bad guy and people die and it'll be great um and that's kind of where i'm at i am specifically stuck on the issue of once this battle's over and they get um sort of separated from their army and whatnot i don't actually know what happens in between that and the end so i really got to figure out that part that's kind of what i'm stuck on the middle the end of the middle exactly yeah Yeah. i'm kind of i'm kind of tough spot building that bridge when i get to it kind of ideas because i mean a lot of times i change my bridge if if i try to build it earlier anyways Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping it'll come to me when i get there it probably won't but uh that's (laughs) what i have where where are you in like the arc of like where this is going like what has the rising action been leading us up to so far? So basically, the main character starts out not really know what's going on. He just tries to basically save somebody he knows. Um, and in doing so, saves a few other people. They go um, and they basically go to a concentration camp, mm-hmm. free thousands of, of the um, prisoners from that area. And then they go and uh, meet with their army because they're trying to basically retake the kingdom with one of the few remaining nobles. So mm-hmm. the rising action here is, there's kind of two points. This is sort of the rising action is building up to a battle, but this isn't the main battle, so it's not um, it's not quite as much of a buildup. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of an eventuality. They're, they're trying, this is more of a delaying tactic. They know if those crates get through that a bunch of their people will get slaughtered. Well, they mm-hmm. think that. Uh, they think that um, the concentration camps will just empty out. Basically, they'll just kill all of their people and put them in these crates. Right. Um, and so the reason they're doing this is to keep their people from being slaughtered long enough that they can retake the capital. Right. Um, but like I said, it's, I mean, it's nothing remotely like what they think it is. Um, and so it's, it's kind of, it's playing out to seem like it's a big deal battle in reality. It's just kind of setting them up for this desperate last attack on their capital, um, which will be the actual rising action. So that setup is one of the new characters gains some powers um, that she didn't have before. And so it's her trying to learn these new abilities before this massive battle with an incredibly powerful opponent at the end. Um, and that's kind of going to be the main act, uh, rising action. I actually am not sure what the falling action is going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. In my head, basically right after the bad guy dies, there's nothing left. Like <laughs> something insane happens and then I'm like, yeah, I don't really know what happens after this, but, yeah. you know, so and again, that'll probably come to me as I go through it, but. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure doing the writing uh, group back and forth will help definitely, help that yeah. too. So, yeah. okay, cool. But yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at right now. We're, we're, they're trying to do a delaying tactic and it'll, it'll fail, of course, because that makes it more interesting. And then, mm-hmm. um, kind fail of, cycles. Exactly. It'll kind of catapult them into the final last desperate act that will be much more climactic and, and uh, dangerous and whatnot. Right. Cool. Well, where I am right now is um, 
it's not like some sort of like specific spot I'm stuck in, I guess. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's just I need to build up more mo- like the momentum back up again mm-hmm. for for what I was doing. So like right now the characters are at the end of the beginning for their the, like the thing that kind of like gets them kicked off to the direction they're supposed to go for the rest of the book. Right. So right now our main character is down in the um the lower city and he the next thing that needs to happen with him is he needs to basically join the rebellion and convince the basically they they don't know they think that he's a lower lowborn. Um but he and and actually what happened before that is he fell off a cliff and almost died and then <laughs> one of the re- revolutionaries happened to like um take oh, him right. in and stuff like that yeah. and and so he woke up and he's like oh crap like <laughs> oh and then he's like i'm gonna just go with this because i basically he's he got the reason he fell off a cliff was because he was trying to someone tried to kill him mm-hmm. and so he was trying to escape from them so he knows he can't go back to the upper city and of course so, not being killed by them is always great yes so. <laughs> exactly um play along but he yeah he he decided to kill himself by falling off a cliff which was not a good idea to try to not be killed by someone else (laughs) but yeah so basically he needs to gain the trust of these people um who are this is the same revolution that Mm -hmm. our second character started and they're working from the lower city and stuff like that and she kind of like went dark when she went up and so he's going to come on the scene, join them, and basically gain their trust and become like a commander of of stuff, and then give them secret information that will help them and gain their trust a whole a whole lot more than just the, the initial sure gaining of trust. Right. Um, but my problem is I'm trying to I haven't I'm not actually writing his next chapter yet. I'm mm-hmm. focusing on the other two, but I do need to figure out like where that's gonna go and what's a good way to get them. A good, not boring way to, you know what I mean? Like to yeah. gain their trust and kind of be eased into this. And then I want to eventually get to a point where like he's he's doing a Vin learns how to use the metals kind of subplot where right. he's like, because he, he's not good at anything, especially <laughs> not in the lower city. Like in the upper city, he could, he could do domination. Right. But except for talking, he doesn't really know how to do anything that he probably should. Except for, cl- <laughs> he can also climb. That's true. But that's basically all he has going for him is climbing and talking. <laughs> And domination, but he can't do that here. Right. So he's gonna like learn fighting from one dude, and you know other stuff like that. But so that's what's with him right now, and I just need to find a good way to make that not boring. Because mm-hmm. one of the best pieces of advice is one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten recently that's that's helped me start to get this momentum back is make every chapter someone's favorite chapter in the book. And so you'd be like, okay, so I'd be like. So I'm like looking at it. I'm like, okay, this is boring. Like I know, like I can't think of anything in this chapter that's actually interesting. But I know it needs to happen because of this other thing. And I'm like, okay, I need to think of a way to make this the someone's favorite chapter. Make Mm -hmm. some aspect of it awesome enough so that someone can look at it and be like, I like this is my favorite chapter because of this. Mm. And and have every single chapter be awesome as as awesome as it can be. Have something in there that is 
something to latch on to yeah. rather than just a bridge to something better. Mm-hmm. Something to hold interest during exactly. an, an instance where they're not blowing something up. Because if the end of your story or the climactic points of your story are the mm-hmm. only thing that's interesting, they won't stick around <laughs> until those right, interesting bits. Right. So you need to make every part the interesting bit. Um, and then for my second character, she's trying to. she's also trying to do a similar thing of gaining trust in the middle city where she's at right now. Because she's working with the barracks there, and nobody really likes her there, and because she's a lowborn and she racism and stuff like that. <laughs> but she's gonna. Tr- she has to try to gain the trust of. And I, I think we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had uh, a, a few months ago brainstorming l- about this, where she's good, basically going to um, gain the trust of like a lot of the merchants and the you know, the common people and stuff like that, because she's gonna be the only. Pe- the only soldier in that area that's actually going to take crime seriously because no, none of the other people <laughs> care because they just get they just get bribes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very corrupt there. She's not going to do that, and so she's going to gain some trust of some people, and eventually, you know, do some sort. Her main goal right now is to pass along as much information as she can to um, her people in the lower city and get as much traction here mm-hmm. as she can so that when they do attack and try to take over everything people will be on her side and then our third character is and now you see where i'm having trouble with momentum here because i have three characters <laughs> to keep track of yeah. um my third character is she basically just got tortured by her mother oh lovely <laughs> uh she has a very very messed up family life um and she's waking up after a few days of recovering from that. And uh, this character that she – he's I, – I imagine him as the Gandalf kind of character. He's yeah. not – I'm trying to, as hard as possible not to make him Gandalf. <laughs> but he's like the, the – he's not actually a wizard, dude. but he's just yeah. – he's the old wise dude who knows yeah. a lot about stuff. Elendia, the, the third character, lives in a town – like nearby the main city where the other two characters are. So at odds with the main city, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that this this old wizard dude, he's not actually a wizard, but he he showed up. That's the way I describe him because it's easier to do that. <laughs> he showed up and basically was talking to Elendia, and Elendia um, was about to be attacked by this giant, like this conch shell is what it's called, and it's basically a giant turtle thing that <laughs> bellows like a deep bass, like dubstep basically nice. i describe it he they, they sing dubstep is that, oh, that's put their... that guy in a band yeah. I mean, that turtle in a band. <laughs> <laughs> but it's gigantic and so like it was about to kill her and the guy stepped in and basically sang to it and calmed it and he was talking about oh man you know all the animals are getting way too aggressive and this isn't right and all this stuff and that's because of the magic is failing and all this stuff that's happening mm-hmm. um and so he he goes with alendia to the home of to her home um, cause her father is like in charge of the town mm-hmm. and he like is talking to that. That's what's, what's opening up with now with the chapter I'm on is mm-hmm. they're basically going to have a dinner to get all together. Okay. Um, and she hasn't seen, Alindy hasn't seen the guy or her parents in like three days cause she's been in her room recovering. <laughs> so, and it's, yeah, messed up family dynamics yeah. <laughs> and, and basically what I'm going to end up have, having happen is Alindy is going to be tutored by the guy mm-hmm. and, um, basically he's going to subtly like um he's trying to figure out what the magic is and what's mm-hmm. going wrong and all this stuff right um and so he's she's going to be like her apprentice his apprentice basically and, cool. and and help her help him with that mm-hmm. and in the process get embroiled in the giant complex so <laughs> right yeah awesome 
But yeah, so it basically it's just momentum that I need to yeah. get on for all because I'm in the middle of writing this the second and third characters next chapters. So. Right. Yeah, and I think one thing Brandon Sanderson does really well and is if a character's in kind of a transition phase between you know super explosive events, he generally times it so that another character is in the middle of a climactic event in his mm-hmm. story, so that there's always something going on. To, like recently mm-hmm. um, and then at some points he has all of the characters having climactic moments at the same time and it's just mind blowing but uh, that's the Brandon think, Avalanche yes exactly yeah yeah <laughs> yep. uh, I think that's uh, that's a good way of doing it though is to kind of try and if you have a lot of characters and that's why it's mm-hmm. having trouble with that is to try and um, put those climaxes staggered but yeah I mean it, and actually I was just at, just at in creative writing class today oh, yeah. um, before I came here we were actually mm-hmm. talking about that exact thing where oh, that's cool um, like having the meanwhile story going mm-hmm. on when you get to a point of climax in one character's story then you can cut away to another mm-hmm. character and then keep that momentum going right. without having to like basically it's like whenever it gets to a point where either you can make it more tense by skipping to another character and leaving them in tension or it's now boring it's not the next part is going to be more boring and so i need to go back to a more climactic thing, bit right. and then get back and then build mm-hmm. up again always leave them off of an adrenaline high yes. to, to start reading the, exactly. the more normal stuff on yeah that's yeah that's something i need to work on i have the problem is all my characters are in the same place it's just the view hops around mm-hmm. uh so it's very much Either, and that's a completely are... different beast, though. Right? Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. Yeah. And that can—that's just like the, um, getting different perspectives on the same events. Yeah, and definitely. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not necessarily. Old. But I mean, you could probably do a, di- a different thing with at least character arcs of like, right. like this one character personal is stuff. having yeah. a personal thing in their head going on, and then we skip to another person's POV, and we don't know what they're thinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, that stuff I'll have to add. Uh, a lot of the trouble I have with my first write through is that I am very focused on the narrative mm-hmm. which means I don't do very well with description meanwhile and that kind of stuff yeah. so I'm going to go in and add that kind of stuff more closely afterwards same thing with description stuff that really just like fluff it out mm-hmm. um, and hopefully that'll help a little bit with it but yeah yeah all right, so yeah, basically what David and I are going to do next um, in our in our writing habits and whatnot um, is start meeting once a week probably over like video chat or whatever right and and motivating each other to write more and more consistently mm-hmm. because the one one of the big things that i have a problem with is that motivation coming externally because i'm horrible at motivating motivating myself inter- internally yeah um and that's why school is nice because i have to do this and right. i haven't been externally motivated to do it um and also to get feedback on writing as we go because right. one of the big things I have a problem with is I get I'm writing this and I'm like well nobody cares why am I writing this <laughs> like and, and getting that and that's just a thing with I mean I guess both of us have this but I believe so, like yeah. a human validation thing or right. just like I would like someone to acknowledge that I am writing this and it's mm-hmm. actually good you know yeah. so and, and that's that's what that's going to be right. and then we can help each other um, with continuity mm-hmm. errors yeah. and, and being like, well, this doesn't actually make sense, so you should change mm-hmm. this kind of thing. So um, that's what we're going to be doing next going forward here this semester. Um, yeah. And I, I believe Connor wanted to actually start a NaNoWriMo book That'd this cool. year. Yeah. And if he, so you want to like restart Soul Thief or no? I think he had a, he always has ideas. Of course, bouncing around. I'm not sure which one he's going to go with, but. Um, 
I think before NaNoWriMo starts, or at least, you know, that first week or whatever. Right. Or I guess the last week of October probably. Um, I think it would be cool to do a podcast with us three talking about um, – our plans for NaNoWriMo. Our plans for NaNoWriMo. And then doing one at the end of NaNoWriMo would be like, okay, what happened? Yeah, that, I think it's a really good um, idea. That'd be good. So, and, and we'll we'll get Connor on to, that's why I kind of wanted him here because then we could talk about like <laughs> what he's planning on doing, but right. it's oh all well. Always um, next time. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do now. And this whole episode has just been like an inside, insider scoop into the mind <laughs> of two people who are in the middle of doing projects. Um, and, and what we're thinking about, what we're stuck on, that kind of stuff. Um, so this, yeah, this rest of the semester, that's what we'll be doing. And um, as I said before, I'm posting my chapters as I go on uh, my website. I'll put that on liner notes. Um, but um, that will probably change those chapters as I, we start doing this Probably back yeah, and forth be because, and like, e- even in the prologue, I already was starting to edit that prologue because mm-hmm. I, someone had mentioned because I already have gotten lots of comments on those first couple chapters because um, people were actually interested in them back when I was starting writing, <laughs> um, and so I have some comments there about different things that went wrong and stuff like that. And Trevor basically tore apart my first chapter, not my prologue, but my first chapter. Um, and you no, know, but he had like legitimate things oh, okay. that were like. Um, that were wrong with the characterization. And I'll, I'll actually ask you um, mm-hmm. what you think about that when we I'm, get to it. But yeah, um, but yeah we'll, we'll be going uh, – what I was going to say before I got mm-hmm. on that was the prologue. I already started editing it. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was – did you actually end up reading that? I have read the prologue. Yes, the prologue was okay. him – As a kid. Yes. Yes. I, I think I've read both the prologue and the first chapter. Okay. Well, yeah. the – the there was some point in there where I wrote to you and was like, uh, like in brackets. I was like, I don't know what should go here. Oh, I, uh, maybe so that was it, after I read it. There might have been because I'm pretty sure I've read the entirety of both. I'll, I'll go back and look. Yeah, and and basically it was like as I was editing it, I was getting to this point where I kind of like skipped over some of what. Basically, I had them ask him questions for his initiation, okay. and then. Um, I had like one question he answered and then we skipped all the rest of them and then just got to it. And I was, I, as I was going through it, I'm like, this is, might be a good opportunity to do some world building, right. but I don't know how much I want to get into it. And so mm-hmm. I, I wrote in brackets, it's like, I don't know how much I should have here, David. <laughs> like, what do you think? Yeah, we can look um, over that. And that's definitely an important thing is you don't want to have world that overload. Was, and... That was the main problem with my prologue um, was like one person put it like uh, in the first page you have there's a boy floating above the world and then there's all this magic that's going on and then there's a flying whale and then, you know, all this <laughs> stuff that's just being thrown at you. Mm-hmm. And though I know this book is going to have a bit of a steep learning curve just because... Most large-scale fantasies do. It, it's an epic fantasy. Right. But I, as I was looking through it and editing it, I was like, yeah, this is a bit much. And it, it, it can be much better relayed through conversation yeah. than a character thinking about it. In very, very right. exposition-y ways. I think the, the best way to do it is a character needs to do a thing, but the way they do this thing is different in this world because of these things. And those variables that change the way people do things will often give you the more interesting – because you can be like, it works like this. And then just explain just enough that they know how it works. And they're like, okay, now I understand the concept of what this item is. So, like, 
instead of having a character think about these things. Because, I mean, a character generally, if he gets on his little airship thing, he's going to be like, this is how this airship works in his head. Yeah. But you can always say, okay, you know, he pushed off of the thing. Like, you can give ideas of how the airship mm-hmm. works just on the narration of them doing things. Exactly, yeah. And I think that does both, it advances the story because they're doing things, mm-hmm. but it also tells you things about the world. And you have to be careful to not overload that, too. Yeah. And then, yeah, same thing with conversation. Um Obviously, they're not going to say, as you yeah, know, right. this is how the world works because people don't talk like that. You have but. to avoid the anime thing where it's like, oh, this is his power. He does this and this uh-huh, and this as yeah. they're being chopped into pieces uh, because that is just noxious and painful. Yep. Um, it's probably worse in a show where that makes no sense than it is in a book. But even still in a book, it's out of place. So, um, But yeah, that's that's a very... Very tedious balancing act, but mm-hmm. you know that's what people are there for to read. And yeah, like, and, and this is see, too much. This I was enough. what I was trying. What I'm trying to do with this, um, and I wasn't doing a very good job, was to give you less than what you might need, simply because right. it's okay to have that steep learning curve in the process. Be like, you just have to go along for the ride, and right. these, these details will be filled in as you go, rather than what I did in the first. Mm-hmm. after the prologue which was this is how yeah. everything works right. and the reason I did that was because I wrote the first chapter first before the prologue it was the first thing I wrote for NaNoWriMo mm. right. and as I got to the end of it I was like you have no idea how this world works because the, enti- <laughs> the entire thing took place in one room right? and they were just having a discussion about like philosophy and I was like that's not what this book needs to open with I mm. need a grander scope of what this world is how it's different because otherwise, no one will care. Like, mm-hmm. and that's why I had the prologue all about him um, linking with the person from the low, lower city. Because right. then it gave you something to care about right off the yeah. bat. And because you know what's wrong, and you know how it's horrible. And yeah. then, then it will actually and matter when he's fighting for it in the first chapter. <laughs> right. And the core of the story is based around this ability. This is exactly. the major th- major thing about society that's changed. And, I mean, obviously, it affected many other things, but mm-hmm. I think it's good to start with that core. And I know, exactly. like you were saying, um, I know a lot of, especially in the Stormlight Archive, which, given, is a very large book. Yes. There were a lot of instances where he would use a word, and I'm like, I have no idea what that exactly. is. And I don't know that he'd ever even explain what it was. Mm-hmm. But later, you would get an idea through just, like, him having it do so. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. know what a chul was, for like the, the but I read the word, like, five times before yeah. I knew what it was. Uh-huh. And. I didn't have any trouble with that. I was just like, oh, it's a thing. That's the kind of thing I uh, like in yeah. books. Yeah, and that's honest. not bad. And yeah. once once I knew what it was, I was like, okay, well, that makes sense now. And it's as much as, like, I think as a writer, you're like, they have to know what this is. People read generally quickly enough and in, in kind mm-hmm. of like a brief enough format that they just kind of gloss over a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. So it's really not a big deal. Like, like for uh-huh. instance um, – Especially Same. if they're being driven along with the story because it's right. engaging. Yeah. The, the, the that, details that will fill in themselves. Yeah. As long like, as you're keeping them interested, then. Yeah. Like, for instance, the way that um, Brandon Sanderson mentioned in one of his um, recorded uh, lectures was that uh, saying a character said something isn't a big deal because, like, like a lot, isn't a big deal because yeah. people don't read that. And I didn't realize that, uh-huh. but I don't read that. Yeah. I read the character's name so I know what they said, and I don't read the next word, which yeah, is Yeah, you don't said. read the, the, yeah. the tag said right. in any and, of those words or any of those dialogue pieces yeah. because it's so common. Yeah. Same thing with using the character's name. It's better to make sure you're being clear than to mm-hmm. be like, okay, I, I have to not use his name again because I just used it. Now, it does end up sounding a little funny if I read out loud, but... That's not very common these days, anyways. Um, and of course, then there's audio recordings, but that's mm-hmm. another that's another piece. And, and and a better thing but. to do, to, just to go off that real quick, um, a better thing might be to not necessarily just be like mentioning their name a lot, a lot but right. making the dialogue so unique to them that you can read a sentence and be like, 
especially if it's like a main character right like yeah. reading a sentence and be like i i can tell that it's this person because mm-hmm. of the way they're saying things yeah like wayne for example from right yeah from yeah. That's uh too. shadows of self in alloy law it's a very good it, example. you you can hear any sentence from him and instantly know it's wayne it's because of the of way thinking. he talks exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah and i i agree with that definitely it, and it wasn't to mean that you should put that every time but yeah, if there's, yeah, there's ever a question of who's yeah. saying it feel free to, to put their name or i know a lot of times and i need to read through and f- see if it feels awkward or not but um that's also what i'm here for <laughs> yes uh one of my characters his name is Lorik. he is a watcher as they're called and a lot of times i'll say the watcher did this instead mm-hmm. because you know who he is at this point i've, I've made it very yeah, clear yeah. um i say the speaker for carolina right yeah and that gives you just kind of another thing that you can indicate as long as there's not two watchers there uh yeah. you can indicate <laughs> who's doing something without having to use their name a ton yep um and again, that's another balancing act where you know you don't want to say that three times either. But mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, and again, that's all stuff. We'll um, just an example of things we'll be talking to each other about in mm-hmm. in our uh, writing, just kind of sit downs. Which, to be honest, I would suggest anybody who's writing a book with you know a group of friends or has a group of friends that are writing books to do because feedback is incredibly important. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Though uh, I would say. It- in some cases it can be detrimental like in the, in the case of like Brandon Sanderson talks about this story all the time but like when they were first starting their their writing group um, Dan Wells's brother came into it mm-hmm. and they basically just destroyed his story because they thought they knew how, what it was going to be and he yeah. didn't you have, so to have you have to be careful people, of yeah. yeah this is their story they're not right. bringing it to you because they want you to fix it per se they're bringing it to you because they want to know what you think right yeah and that's the most important thing I I require with feedback, mm-hmm. and that you should be giving as feedback for people who are writing novels and right. want you to look at it. Um, the number one thing I will say, or the number the two things you don't do: one, offer them ways that you can fix all of these problems that like. Basically just saying straight out, I think this should be about a horse instead or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> don't write their story for him. Don't write their story for him. But then right. all, the other end of the spectrum, don't say, that was good. That is <laughs> yeah. the last thing I want to hear as a writer. I Unless want it's to... published, in which case that's what you want to hear. Well, maybe. Because um, <laughs> then it probably means they bought it. Well, yes, but you can still tell me more. I'd, l- I'd love to, to yeah, hear true. what's your favorite character and all that stuff. Well, but, yes. but yeah, like... The, the one thing that if you're giving feedback to a person who's writing a novel, be as descriptive as possible, mm-hmm. give as much information as possible, but don't like suggest things per se. Right. Like just give them raw information. Say, I was confused here, yeah. or I liked this, I didn't like this, mm-hmm. or I liked this character, I'm excited to see where they're going. That yeah. kind of thing, yeah. and, and lots of it, is incredibly invaluable for us as writers looking back on it, especially in the second draft, and being like, well, okay, right. people really liked this character. I need to make sure I don't change that. Or, wow, this villain nobody cared about him i need to make sure he's more menacing you know yeah. that kind of stuff. that's the thing is you have to remember when you're reading for the point of giving someone feedback is you are being a consumer that is giving feedback not a co-writer yeah you're not writing their story with them you're saying as a person who is reading your story this is what i thought uh-huh. and that's where it ends now if they ask you okay what do you think i should fix how yeah. what should i do perfect fine mm-hmm. but that is their decision and you're, they may not even fix the thing you think sounded awkward. Maybe they read it over and have other people read it, and they're like, I didn't have any problem with that. And then maybe it's just, you know, your personal preference, and maybe they won't change it. Exactly. But that's the thing is, I mean, and again, obviously you don't want to be insulted if they don't take your your uh, Suggestion. suggestions. <laughs> it's going to happen. I mean, again, it's their story. 
But yeah, you have to look at it from the point of being the consumer giving feedback, not the co-writer or mm-hmm. the writer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what I was just thinking when you said that was um, like you, for example, is someone that I will always ask, how do you think I should <laughs> right. change this or whatever? Because you and I think a lot of the same ways and you're really good to, mm-hmm. sh- to brainstorm and shoot back and forth. It's like, okay, what are ways that we can fix this problem? Right. Um, you and won't just be like, I think this is better kind of thing. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? You'll yeah. be like, hey, yeah, this works. And then I'll, I'll, I'll say like, well, no, I don't really want to do this way. Like this is what I'm going for. And then you'll know what I'm going for because right. we <laughs> think enough alike that you can usually – like I can usually tell mm-hmm. what you're going for and you can usually tell what I'm right. going for yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's the same for me for you. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's another important thing is – Finding someone you know first off knows what they're talking about. Yeah. If you know if they're they've if, never written a thing in their life, especially if they've never you know. written a fantasy in their life. Like yeah. if, they, if 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 they don't know what fantasy as a genre is, it's probably not a good idea to right. to be like, hey, how do you think I should fix my fantasy novel? Because mm-hmm. they'll be like, I don't know. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I mean, don't know how this magic works. If this is your lumberjack friend that you know doesn't read much more than the newspaper and would rather be outside and stuff, which, you know, totally opposite. It's fine. Not saying that's a bad thing. Probably wouldn't be the greatest person to bounce ideas off of and test read your book just because, you know, it's not really their forte. It's not their area yeah, yeah. It's important to know so. who the audience is. Like, right. give give the book to people you know mm-hmm. that the book is for them. Like yeah, that's a very Fantasy good point. readers, science fiction readers right. for that kind of genre. Mm-hmm. And if you're not writing that, if you're writing something like literary fiction or yeah. mysteries or whatever, give it to someone who likes that or mm-hmm. at, at the very least who knows that. Right. Or has like, read it, understands read it. understands yeah. it so that you don't get – like things like I don't know what this <laughs> right. is. Like I think this guy should have a gun, but he's a knight. No, he should have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that would happen per se. But exactly. Like, well, no, I I know. Yeah. Um, on that same note, uh, age is important. Generally, if you're writing a kid's book, you could probably give it to an adult, and they could give you pointers. Be like, maybe a kid would understand this. But more importantly, you want to give it to a kid, and if they don't understand it, that's a little bit of a more important feedback because if you're going to be trying to sell it to a kid. You yeah. want them to be able to comprehend it. And if, similarly, if you're trying to write for a teenage audience and... And you're not a teenager yourself. Right. Or if or if the person you're giving the book to is, you know, 75 to read the right. book for you, they're going to be like, this is dumb. And you're going to be like, but... Drama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so demographic is very important also. Now... These, these teenagers are their hormones. Exactly, yeah. And of course, if you're if the person you're bouncing ideas off of isn't that age group but has experience writing and and knows what the differences would be that's I mean, still okay yeah, but yeah yeah. It's, yeah it's always important to check just, with just your know actual who your audience is and definitely and who the person you're giving it to if they are the right person to give it to right so and and i would encourage people who have writer friends yes i beg you give them feedback if right. they're asking you to to read things that means they like you and they <laughs> they want your yes. opinions on things and that means giving them more than that was good um and i love i love my friends i love <laughs> them all but that's a problem that most of them have is when i and right. even my like my dad like i will i will give him a story and, and this might just be part of um and that's why i've started using google docs a lot mm-hmm. more often yeah. because it's really easy for people Edited, to just yeah. comment while they're reading and uh, and then it helps tremendously because you can just mm-hmm. input your thoughts. Yeah. What did you think when you read exactly. this? Like a lot of times when like like the character dies in the prologue, the, the, at the mm-hmm. very end, someone wrote, no, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> right. there you go. Now I know I got that feeling yes. that, across in the exactly. right way. And I think um, that I was going to forget what I was going to say. Uh, I usually think oh. that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, just in case, I know one thing. I, I, I like to give feedback. 
But it's difficult for me. I'm very much, I read to find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm very bad at locking down and a- analyzing what I'm reading as I'm reading mm-hmm. it. Um, and so I think it, it might be useful to, to point out a couple things for people who are listening, and maybe even for me, just what kind of things would be useful for feedback. So like you've mentioned, um, for instance, like you said, you wanted them to feel bad when the character died, yes. right? Feelings, or, yeah. Um, you wanted to know that people liked this character or didn't like this character in a good or a bad way because mm-hmm. they're a bad guy or whatever. Um, those kind of things. Do you have any um, others that you haven't mentioned that you really like to get feedback on? I know awkward wording is a thing I like to people mm, to tell yeah. me. Do they think something it, sounded weird? or? Yeah, especially with dialogue, definitely. Like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't definitely. say so much with grammar um, yeah, that because be that's, that's always going to be changed around and yeah. copy editing and all that stuff. Um, but, I mean, if, if, if I'm reading a, uh, someone's story and it's, like, atrocious grammar and there's just, like, <laughs> nothing redeemable about it, I will tell them, like, you need to work on your grammar because right. it's very important that you can use grammar correctly because mm-hmm. otherwise you're not going to be able to get your thoughts across in a concise manner. Right. Um, Unless you have a really good editor and then they'll figure it out and fix mm-hmm. it for you. And, and I'll, I'll probably every once in a while just be like, oh, this is the right, right wrong word. Right. You should use this word instead. But like, that's not my main focus when I'm giving feedback. It's like, um, and I don't care if people give me that feedback. Um, uh, but if they give me just that feedback and nothing else, then I will be a little annoyed. Right. Um, I mean, I'm, as a writer, we have a general grasp of that. And, you know, we can, when we read through it, we can generally figure it out. And so it's more important to have um, story-related things. And I know for me, also one of the things, logic-based things and um, coherency, if I've um, said something that contradicts something earlier, yes. that's good to know. Continuity, definitely. Um, which there are things I know for sure in my story that do contradict, and I know they do. Uh-huh. But... At least, just, you know, I can just be like, yeah, I know that's, I'm going to fix that. Uh-huh. Um, like, I have one character who actually um, argues for, like, the main character and, like, helping them. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through the story, I was like, no, I want her to hate this guy. And so I changed it. And so randomly, she hates his guts. Yeah. And I'm like, which... going to have to go back and fix Yeah, that, she wasn't yeah. named originally, so, you know, but you're supposed to know that it was her. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, I have to go back and fix that. Every time I give it to someone, I'm like, by the way, if a character randomly does a 180, I know that happens, by the yeah. way. Uh, <laughs> and and, yeah. and that, that's important uh, when you're actually going through at, like, obviously this, is, this would be different if you're giving someone a full novel or whatever right. to, to critique. Right. But if you're going through a book with someone as they're writing it, mm-hmm. and, you know, you just have to be okay. To, like, as a writer, we need to be like, okay, Make it clear, all right, I changed some mm-hmm. things here. This is where I'm going with a direction. Does yeah. this work, like, kind of a thing? Does right. this make sense? And just make them understand that yeah. <laughs> I did this on purpose. I know this is wrong. <laughs> right. Like, um, one other thing that I was thinking is, uh, as you said, like, dialogue. Um, right. But, like, exposition especially. Like, mm. if someone is being yes. over-expository, over, or if the narrative is being over overly expository, mm. being just, just telling you flat-out things that you – it doesn't like right. why would you be telling me this right now or mm-hmm. you know with characters specifically or yeah. just a narrative that like holds your hand rather than um letting you figure things, you out. Figure things right. out or be immersed in the world if it's mm-hmm. just telling rather than showing um de- I, that's something i love i really want people to point right. point out to me because that's the kind of writing i want is yeah. to have one that's very immersed and yeah. not this happened, this happened, this happened, this mm-hmm. is why, all analytically, because that's not a story. That's right. not an essay. And I know I have uh, instances, war is treated very differently in my book than in uh, real life or in other fantasy books. It's basically an economical 
requirement. Mm. You kill people because that's you sell them, and that's how you make your money. Yeah. Um, and if there weren't wasn't war, none of the none of the civilizations could stand on their feet anymore economically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the problem is that when I say something happens, I'm like, okay, I realize that if someone was reading this and they're thinking about normal war, this would make no sense. They think I was tactically an idiot. Yeah. Um, or just, you know, didn't know what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I usually then go on explanations to why it doesn't make sense that this happened. Mm. The problem is then I have to make sure it's not too yeah. opaque and that, or that too is a definitely a problem because of the world. Like, right. this is how everybody views it. Mm-hmm. And so trying to explain, like, well, this is the way like, this isn't the way that it works in the real world, like, that would be completely, like, it couldn't happen because right. we not Fourth wall, yeah, yeah. That's, and usually I'm like, well, this was surprising because this is usually like he'll be like, oh crap, and I'm like, and this is why he's like, oh crap, because this yeah, should have yeah. happened. Like for instance, um, they get invaded and they're like, it's totally. They, I mean, the enemy army walks through their entire country in like two to four weeks because there's hasn't been an invasion since the beginning of the war. Mm-hmm. It was never about taking territory. The the um, borders get raided for stuff right. and for you know um, bodies, soldiers and stuff, but. Um, and even there, they have a, a, a system of basically rules and that you never torch or destroy border territories because that means that they'll do the same to yours. Mm-hmm. In fact, it even mentions in one of them that one of the nations tried to do that. And both of the other nations came to just wreck their whole their uh-huh. whole border. Um, and so they don't do that, which is why it was so weird when they took siege weapons and just marched through and took everything mm-hmm. because that was just not done. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming at it normally, you'd be like, well, of course they do that. That's the idea. They want to win. Yeah. But things they don't want to win. They don't want it to end. And I think a, a good way to, so. to do that I think a good way to do that would be um, to do it through dialogue, like especially through right. those specific things that you mentioned. I think that'd be really easy to just be like like a character mentioned that like Lorik mentions to what's the main Rius character? Rius. The main character. He's just like why are they doing this? Right, like, yeah. And just a, a simple comment, just like a question, that mm-hmm. can be enough to be yeah. like put into question and then you think, oh, okay, well, this isn't the way it is and right. I need to learn more. I need to read, keep reading to find out why. And of course, the key is to be like, is to get the reader to think, okay, this is different, not, wow, this guy's an idiot. Because yeah, there's exactly. that. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like like something like, um, what about the truce? That could be, you know, the only thing you need. To, and then as the time gets, as the book goes on, you could fill in the details of why there's this truce. And mm-hmm. like, you know, the economy runs like this. And, and that can all be through snippets of dialogue as you go on. And right. that might work really well. But I mean, it, there's different ways to do it. So Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably what I'll have to go do is is go back and try and, because yeah, like I said, it wouldn't be very difficult. But yeah, I think that, that probably wraps up. I think it's a lot of the things that really are important is just the mm-hmm. holes in the plot and the narrative and the wording. Um, and then the thing that I need things. the most is, like, that I'm always looking for is mm-hmm. what are you feeling? Right, yeah. Because books are there to get you to feel emotion. That's the point. Right. Like, if you're, if yeah. you're, it's there to, um, instigate emotion in you and if it's not then it's not a good story and, right, and if yeah. you're feeling what i want you to feel here that's awesome mm-hmm. like if there's a, and this is why i'd rather not people offer me suggestions most of the time because a lot of times they don't know what's wrong right and so like they'll say oh i think you need to have a battle scene here instead because of this and this and this but i'm like no the reason i had you feel this was because i was trying to go for the specific thing and if right. you don't give me that sensory information then i can't 
actually do the real fix because right. you've yeah. given me information because you didn't understand what the story was. They, the problem is they're trying to fix the the their their view version of, of the story, the plot, and not well, yeah, and not the not the emotion behind it because they they know mm-hmm. what they think would be interesting to have happen here. But they don't know what you're trying to have. Yeah, they don't there. know why. They yeah. don't know why this is yeah. the way it is or how it should be. And maybe you, you don't know. want people to be like, oh, my goodness, a battle. Maybe you want them to be like, oh, this is horrible and like and sad and stuff. And you write entirely different scenes to do that. Well, I mean, you exactly. could do both with the same scene. but um, And yeah, so there's that. But too. exactly, like but. there will be points where someone just tells me, like, for example, it's like, ah, this is dumb kind of a thing because they, they're confused at a part. But right. I'm like, no way. That doesn't that, help. But I'm like, wait, I was you were supposed to be confused. Oh, yeah. Like, that right. kind of stuff. That's like, true, yeah. Just just give me the sensory information because I know what's supposed to be mm-hmm. happening here. And as long as I know that it, what I want it to happen is happening, right. then we're good. Yeah. And that's another issue I have is really trying to figure out what the feeling of a scene is when I'm writing it because I, I have to chop it in so many pieces mm. since I write at work. Yeah. And then I... You know, I'll jump back into the scene two days later, and, and that's what second so, drafts are for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm, I'm relying heavily on my ability to salvage what I write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so hopefully that works out for me. But, but yeah, I think like I, like we said, I think that probably mm-hmm. encompasses pretty well the kind of things you want to look for if you're helping someone else's, you know, someone else write their story, or if if uh, someone's helping you write and you want to give them ideas. Yeah, definitely. On those kind of things. Uh, they're a lot more important than, hey, this should be indented or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that more or less wraps us up. As I, I believe so. I believe, yeah. yeah. Alrighty. Well, thank you so very, very much for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at Christ underscore art underscore show, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian Show, and on our website at Christian Show.com. All right. Peace. <laughs>to make a YouTube video of us taking this microphone, punching it, and then turning up the gain all the way. I'm paying no gain. <laughs> this is the... We have the right setting, right? Yes, we do. Also, it's glorifying God with create, through creativity, right? No, honoring Christ through honoring creativity. Christ. Same thing. This is the Christian artist. On... <laughs> Why was I? Why was I about to do that? I was like, oh, we are. I'm so flustered right now. Okay. I don't know why. I get so flustered. <laughs> Honoring Christ through it's, creativity. It's, it's, okay. uh, no, I, I'm, just, okay. I'm the same way right now.